0: We were terrible. I'm oh, still so one. I love it. Honey, lads. The sky's salmon again. Who paid for the nachos? Nor rain, nor
1: wind, nor snow. Classico. Hello, Rapids fans. This is Holding the High Line with Rabbi in Red. We are sponsored by Icarus FC and Roughneck Scarves. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Thursday, July 28th, 2022. Happy 21st birthday to Cole Bassett. Pro has issued its annual Mia culpa after the Rapids game at Seattle Sounders. Cristiano Ronaldo is so thirsty for Champions League football, and it's starting to look sad. And by the transitive property, the Rapids, who tied Charlotte FC, who beat Chelsea FC on penalties, thereby makes it that the Rapids are the third best team in the English Premiership. I'm joined now by my platonic partner in soccer, Rabbi
0: Mark Goodman, you beautiful human being. How are you? I'm glad we have a platonic relationship, but can I get like a friends with benefits upgrade at some point in the future? Is if I become a a paid subscriber, is that a benefit that comes with us or or no? That's am I already treading into dangerous waters here, Matt?
1: Moving on, Mark the <laughs> uh, the annual summer friendlies and European tours are. Finishing up, for the most part, for the big clubs in Europe, some of the smaller leagues have already started, Mark. I'm pretty sure. I think it's the championship. I think the, the lower three of the four divisions in English football are starting this weekend. And then, obviously, I believe it's next weekend uh, in which the English Premiership is back. And then, at that point, most of the other European leagues are a week or two away. But, you know, since last, you and I podcasted together since you weren't able to make a pod i can't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago in any case you know we've had a lot of friendlies um you know it's been teams going out to uh tour the various southeastern asian countries there have been teams that have gone to australia and there's still a number of teams english spanish or otherwise that have made their way through the united states and had their uh series of friendlies that they've had that may or may not been coordinated or one-off mark uh you've had Ugly moments such as Inter-Miami getting dunked on by Barcelona in a game that uh, Phil Neville called the biggest game in club history and meanwhile you've gotten you know a few of the bigger clubs being given bloody noses like uh, Minnesota United who obviously beat Everton thereby ensuring that they're going to get relegated um, and at the same time you had Reynoso exiting that game with an injury so I think it brings up Mark the annual discussion that we need to have as a soccer nation about whether or not these are productive if the MLS team wins then ultimately we can just say oh the non-MLS team was clearly in preseason mode this doesn't really count if the MLS team loses or absolutely gets embarrassed, then haha, this is an indication that clearly MLS is inferior. And obviously this comes with the fact that clubs, uh, the MLS team, which is usually hosting these games, try to take advantage from a financial standpoint to cash in on these opportunities. You know, we look at the LA Galaxy having their uh, starting ticket prices a number of years ago when they played Manchester United at the sold-out Rose Bowl. It was something like $150 for the cheapest ticket, and parking was almost going for that much. As well. And so is it a cash grab? Yes. Is it also an opportunity for uh, the big European teams to get their name out there and to make themselves more available to people uh, around the world who maybe don't have the opportunity to come visit them in their home nation for their domestic competitions? Also, yes, both of those things can be true. Mark, why are these things still a thing? And given that the last two times that the Rapids have really done it, it was when it was immediately advantageous with playing Boca Juniors, and the other one was obviously set up for KSC to double dip on the money standpoint. How do we feel about European friendlies? Why are these still a thing? And are we glad that the Rapids are not participating in this mashiver? What's a mischiver? Uh...
0: You don't you don't know what a, a shiver Maybe I'm mispronouncing it. Is it Irish? Is it Gaelic? Is it uh Yiddish? Isn't it a, is its is it an attempt by an Irishman to speak Yiddish? What is it? A mashiver. Meshiver. Um Matt's googling for it. Matt's Googling for it. I wanna know this word because I, I need a bigger vocabulary.
1: It's in one of the mummy movies. Um this does not seem to be such a word in the English Arabic <laughs> language, but there is an Arabic word called meshifer, uh, which means code. It may have figured out the actual makes sense in the context of the season. Okay, I completely misused a word that I heard in pop culture from a movie that means absolutely not what I was thinking of. Okay, Mark, wh- what do we make of just dis- what do we make of European friendlies?
0: I I um I understand the impetus by teams to feel like they need to make money. Um, and I think uh, both for American teams and for European teams, hypothetically speaking, every dollar you put into your coffers allows you to sign better transfer targets, hypothetically allows you to improve the stadium amenities, include including the food. So I'm not in theory opposed to these things, but we know that at this stage of capitalism... Usually, like, nine-tenths of the monies that I just suggested go right into the owner's pocket, and the only the other one-tenth comes back to the club, especially when you're talking about a certain cronky sports entertainment um, that seems to spend only on very specific things which don't include stadium amenities beyond, like, bare-bones nachos. Um so that being said, like the, the the ones that like I've noticed are my friend um, Marcus Rubenstein, who's a rabbi in Minnesota. He, he's the other soccer rabbi at this point, although he's my he's the junior soccer rabbi to my senior soccer rabbi. Um, he was really he was absolutely over the moon happy about Minnesota playing Everton. I mean, he is both a Minnesota and an Everton fan. So this was like. Kid in a candy store time for him um, The other one that I thought was really interesting Matt that um, you should uh, If you haven't looked this up online uh, Holding the Highline fans You should check this out Go look at video of the Real Madrid um, Club America match That took place at AT&T Park In San Francisco Stadium holds for baseball It holds like 50-60,000 uh, Something like that I think, Maybe 40, I think it's 45 Mark 45? Um, 80% of the crowd was there for Club America, which considering Real Madrid is arguably one of the biggest clubs in the world, it's really kind of a remarkable thing to see how big Liga MX is in um, California. Um, So those are the kind of reasons why I think this thing could persist. The only criticism I have, which is really arguable, and our fans can totally get on us for this, and you can get on me for this. Matt, you always get on me for everything anyways. Um, But, like, I kind of miss the ICC because it had structure. Do you know what I mean? Like, the ICC was – granted, it was ridiculous structure, right? Like, the games could take place in Tokyo in the middle of the night or – you know, LA, you know, L.A. Dodger Stadium or they could take place in, you know, on a barge in Kuala Lumpur. And as long as the teams were ginormous and Ronaldo got five minutes on the pitch, like it was good enough. But at least hypothetically, there was like a structure where some of the teams played in kind of a round robin format and there was a cup to award. Um, and yeah, it didn't really mean much. It was like preseason and it was still a cash grab. Um, but ultimately, like it was a cash grab that sort of had like organization and structure, and I think I liked that better than what we have now, which is MLS teams doing straight ca- crash cash grab FC in the middle of the season. Um, I guess this year, because the Rapid season is rapidly, no pun intended, un- unraveling and becoming irrelevant, I kind of feel bad that we didn't play... Like Arsenal or Real Madrid or Club America, because we, you know, the only argument you have for Minnesota United not playing that game against Ever- Everton is that they're in a competitive season and this is sapping their energy and their strength for real meaningful games. The Rapids, meanwhile, I don't know if we are currently playing meaningful games. I mean, that's a conversation we'll have down the road, but like, in terms of where is the Rapid season at? Um we used to have a we had a we had a Jossy's artist Defcon thing going for a couple of weeks but we've moved the needle I think agreeably down on Jossie's artist's DEFCON-iness because he's doing pretty well. But the Rapid season DEFCON has been moved up uh, significantly. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, I would have been okay if the Rapids played one of these meaningless friendlies because got to make that paper, baby.
1: The ICC was nice, Mark, in that it provided structure for the European teams. But obviously, the clubs, the MLS teams, the domestic teams that were included on that were mostly hand-picked And it was mostly based on the I don't know if this is the ICC or the actual European teams being like, "Hey, we want to play in this particular market. Where's the closest MLS team that we can play?" So it's like, "Hey, we really want to play a game in Seattle because we know they have a big stadium and we know it'll sell out." Okay, let's schedule the game against the Sounders. The Sounders are now playing in the ICC, and so obviously, I don't remember what the exact structure was, but you play in that and then you win, and then at some point, I think in one formation, in one iteration, there was a group stage, and then the others it was just straight knockout. And theory, there was a final with the trophy. At the end of it, and so you keep adding these games onto it that maybe make things a little bit more complicated for the MLS team that manages to randomly win, like when the LA Galaxy B team beat the Juventus B team randomly off of like two goals after the 80th minute at Dodger Stadium in a pitch setup that was only slightly better to the potion stamp you have for the Bronx up in the Bronx at NYCFC. So. I liked it, Mark, in that there was an actual structure to where there was something, and then the teams that actually either took it seriously or played their stars or tried to do something in the game and not treat it as a training exercise with paid spectators was nice. But obviously that structure was limited in terms of which MLS teams were involved, and the rest of them were basically 1v1 um both negotiations and then one-offs in terms of their friendlies with the MLS team. And so it was kind of, from a rapid standpoint, geographically, you're either dependent on a team that specifically wants to come to altitude, uh, or you're dependent on a, maybe one of the European teams that maybe wants to start west, gradually work their way back east, and then take, you know, something of a puddle jumper, a lake jumper between, you know, maybe the northeast where they play one final friendly and then go back to England or Spain or Germany or what have you. I still see... I still see why they exist based on what their purpose is and everything. I just don't give a whole lot of energy to them. In which case, then, if something significant happens, either in terms of a signing happening and then a player getting debuted or doing something, then usually social media will tell me what is happening with that. I don't go down the rabbit hole on a Saturday morning during the European season to see what the Yanks are doing with Yanks abroad and everything. If Brendan Aronson scores a banger, within two hours, somebody on social media, you know, the algorithm is going to make it such that i find out about it or I find out about it on a podcast episode, you know, Monday, Tuesday of the following week. So, similarly, I didn't watch a single minute of these. Fatma told me that Christian Pulisic started and played in the game against Chelsea, and I think he scored a goal in that 1-1 draw that then Charlotte won on penalties. And then, obviously, you know, I eventually saw Inter-Miami get thrashed after everybody dunked on Phil Neville for the second time after he said that a game that had no purpose any year in which they probably won't make the playoffs somehow was their biggest game in their club's history, as opposed to an actual competitive game to making the playoffs and being somewhat relevant other than having cool kits and being in Miami and having David Beckham in their ownership group. Anything else we want to say about international friendlies?
0: Yeah. uh, One last thing. Um, This is actually the time of year when I'm really paying attention to the international game, but specifically the UEFA game. Cause this is, unfortunately it's not often, usually they televise one select game per round, but it's really a good part of the season we're in the early rounds of what is referred to as UEFA Champions League qualifying, which is all of the little, tiny, small league countries have their qualifying. So, um, and we're down to the final, um, the final two rounds, um, at which the final ten teams will be placed into the CCL pot or sorry the ucl pot uh and so um yesterday olympiakos uh, the greek champions were defeated four to nothing at home by maccabi haifa um the israeli champions from last year um which was a big upset i think for a lot of people but there are all these little clubs little little teams um Who are And some of them are kind of historic and bigger, but they're like, they need to win a home-and-home series in order to slip into UCL and make that paper. Because this is like the biggest amount of money that these teams are ever going to be able to make. They're going to, you know, some of them are going to be drawn into a group with PSG or Arsenal or Manchester City. And it's like, it's a huge opportunity for them. It is like FA Cup levels of exciting. So... Um, if you get a chance to watch Victoria Pilsen or Dinamo Zagreb or Union San Giloise or Benfica versus Mittiland of the, of the Danish league, right? Or my own favorite uh, that's going to come up next Wednesday, Maccabi Haifa at home against Apollon Limassol of the Cypriot League. Like, those are huge games for these countries. These are the biggest, for to some degree, these are the biggest games in Europe for some of these countries like everyone in Cyprus is going to be watching this game and everyone in Israel is going to be watching that game um and I will be blessed for the return leg I will be in Israel to see that match so it should be really fun to see Haifa play uh, Apollon Limassol in the home place um you Matt I think are probably going to be pulling really hard for Dinamo Kiev over Sturm Graz um the the rivals to Rapid Vienna
1: Yes, of course. Thank you very much on that. Last thing I'll say, Mark, since we've transitioned this from European friendlies to European group stage competition qualifiers. Uh, Royal Antwerp won their second leg against uh Dreita earlier today. They won that on aggregate 2-0 with a 2-0 scoreline earlier today. Sam Vine subbed on late in that game and then they moved on to the third and final round of qualification for the group stage for the Europa Conference League. They'll be taking on Lilistrom on Thursday, August 4th, and then the following week on the eleventh, uh are out of the are out of Norway, which I think is either the Alsvenskan or the other one that I can't remember, the uh,
0: L.A. Terrestin, uh I think is what it's called. So, Elite uh, I think it's pronounced, but uh, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's, it's, it's too much soccer. It's actually, we're reentering the phase of our lives, Matt, which is not healthy for either of us, which is the too much soccer, soccer phase. The Operatura is kicking off on Friday. The DFB Pokal kicks off so you can watch German soccer as it kind of roars back to life. There's a lot of good stuff coming up. We're through the tough part of our lives when all there is on a Saturday morning is a few measly MLS games that don't start until 6 o'clock in the the evening.
1: Yes, so just two more games away and uh, Sam Bynes will be playing European football. Uh, Unfortunately, folks, with the... Feyenoord qualified for Europa League, so there's no chance for us to have a Sam Vines, Cole Bassett, uh, Rapids abroad derby just yet. But in any case, we'll we'll see whether or not Antwerp can do that, Mark, and try and win something in the third tier of international competition at the club level on the European continent. And then obviously Cole Bassett uh, scored a pretty nice goal the other day. I don't know if you saw that, uh, Mark, in a friendly as he continues to fight for maybe playing minutes, given it looks like he's now not being loaned out. Listeners, this past Saturday at Lumen Field, uh, CenturyLink Stadium, uh, the Colorado Rapids were once again defeated by the Seattle Sounders in that fixture by a score of 2-1. to one. The Rapids were a little bit shorthanded in this game. Danny Wilson was suspended for yellow card accumulation, and then Sam Nicholson and Stephen Batesher relatively late scratches in the week as they were in the uh, MLS health and safety protocol, likely due to either testing positive or having a contact tracing Symptomatic situation with COVID-19, which is still a thing. Three minutes in, Mark, despite Seattle having most of the ball at that point. Jonathan Lewis gets the Pids on the board, rounding Stefan Fry and then scoring Diego Rubio with a great through ball to set that up uh, at the Roldan, brother Alex, uh, almost cleared that ball off the line, but it did just barely go over. Nice play by J. Lou on that one. Some ticky-tack fouls that are called by a relatively young referee. Mark, uh, the Colorado Rapids absorbing a lot of pressure. Lyle Stububukar leading the emergency defending front and energy and uh, intensity and interruptions going on. Uh, Jordan Morris with a... Uh, you know, was stir was the straw stirring the drink for the Seattle Sounders? Uh, first two really big opportunities you had for the Sounders before the floodgates opened came in the forty first minute off of a corner. Yamar Gomez Andrade the. Center back has a shot that is blocked by Lewis, not quite off the line. Lewis was a few yards uh, up from the goal line. And then moments later with the ball recycled into the box, Yamar going to the back post with a diving header that he puts over the bar and then does the full surrender Cobra, two hands on his head in absolute shock. And then two minutes later, Mark, it was Robin Frazier in the Rapids' bench. that was shocked on 43 minutes, 1-1 from Jordan Morris. Lal Sububakar, in air quotes, fouls Will Bruin near the midfield line, well well within the Colorado Rapids uh, defending half. Uh, In that sequence, Lawless Abubakar plays the ball to Diego Rubio in a bang-bang play in which Rubio then tries to play the ball forward as the whistle is fouled. Somehow certain people on Sounders Twitter who may or may not be in the leadership role at one sports blog nation mark were under the impression that that was the Rapids intentionally trying to delay the restart. In any case, about 15 yards, 20 yards, depends on who you ask. The ball is played away. from where the foul originally occurred it goes forward quickly in succession great play by jordan morris regardless of everything that had happened up to that point to get past lost bubacar who'd been having a fantastic 42 minutes and to beat william yarbrough to make it 1-1 um Mark, we'll get into this in a bit. I have a quote from my pool reporter question and then a pretty savage or damning statement from Pro on Twitter about that. In any case, it is 1-1 at halftime. The Rapids are lucky to get out of dodge with that given how much Seattle dominated play. After the Rapids open the scoring three minutes in, Uh, just a minute into the second half, Lucas Estevez with a great chance on the counter that leads to a ball going out for a throw-in that Kellen Rowe tosses over the uh, advertising board, slips out of his hands, and he is given a second yellow for time-wasting on that. And then, Mark, I would say it was a relatively even play from that point on, despite the Seattle Sounders being down a man, a bunch of chances for Jordan Morris, ultimately in the 69th minute. He creates a really good chance in transition. He gets a shot. Yarbrough saves it. The rebound comes out to Jordan Morris. Yarbrough comes off his line to challenge. He takes down Jordan Morris. Penalty. Nico Lodero converts in the 71st minute. And that's all I have on the rundown, Mark, because I would say that the Rapids were impotent at best in the final 20 minutes plus stoppage time. Um, Mark, do we want to start with the officiating? Because then I can go through all of that spiel if
0: you want. Oh man, and this is the rare opportunity to get me with my dander up about officiating. I really don't like complaining about officiating. This game was not well officiated um, uh, in in all respects. I, I don't really I didn't really look very closely at um, uh, at Lao quote unquote air quotes foul um, except that someone pointed out really well that the ball is cleared away. Um, and it had to be retrieved, which is a really strong way of indicating that the player got the ball and therefore it's not a foul. Right. And um, if you look at the play close enough, it wasn't much of a foul there. That wasn't really the problem, though, because a miss called foul. All right, fine. The biggest problem, of course, is that the play is reset like, what, 30 yards away from where it was originally supposed to be set? I'm, I'm saying
1: 15, Mark. We had very, very faint football lines, and I'd say 15 to 20. All
0: right, 20. We'll go 20. It's really, really far away. And when you go down a really long rabbit hole with Jeremiah Oshan and um, and uh, Connor Cape and a couple other... Um, you know, like uh, Sounders fan 8435021, you know, like about how far away exactly is inappropriate and does the referee, is the referee obligated to blow their whistle? Now, I looked at the rule. The rule is uh, FIFA law 13.2, and the law about a foul is really clear, which is, <laughs> and it's really literal. It basically says the ball is to be replayed on a direct kick from the point of the foul, right? It doesn't say five yards from the foul. It doesn't say 10 yards from the foul. It definitely doesn't say 20 yards from the foul. Now, one could argue that a referee has the leeway to say, like, all right, close enough, right? I would argue, and this was the part that blew my mind in the Twitter argument that I was having with other folks, I would argue that no one in their right mind would say that the place at which the ball was restarted, was the right place to replay the ball, which then gave um, Seattle an unfair advantage because they could restart unfairly. Now, the s- several Seattle fans that I spoke with were basically arguing to the counter. Well, the Rapids were caught asleep, and that's you know that's their fault. You can't be caught asleep. And my my analogy here was this: you can't be caught asleep if, for instance, the referee says, "Okay, it's a throw-in." And you walk to the center of the field and then throw the ball in. And the reason that that's the analogy is because no one expects you to throw the ball from the center of the field because you're not allowed to do it right No one expects the free kick to originate 20 yards from where it's supposed to start and the rapids shouldn't be ready shouldn't aren't, aren't to be expected or aren't to be castigated for being caught unawares at that point because no sane individual would have ever assumed that the ball would have been played from that place nor would any sane individual have assumed that a, a competent pro referee would allow the ball to be replayed from that point without pulling the ref, the, the whistle to his lips his or her lips, and then blowing, because that's what they should have done. Now, that being said, I will then point out the other thing that I said on Twitter, which is, yeah, that call was blown, and they got an unfair goal, but a few minutes later, after the half... Kellen Rowe got a second yellow, which I thought was a little soft, to be honest. I mean, he does kind of delay the game by throwing the ball up over the, the hoarding. But on the flip side, like it's not like he didn't like throw it 30 yards into the field. It was like, you know, the side kid could have thrown the ball in and whatever. So he gets his, his second yellow and the Rapids have a 10 man advantage for the next uh, 40 minutes and they do nothing with it. Bubkis, Gornish, Zip, Zero, Nada, Zilch. And the team has become fairly impotent. And to go back a little bit on what I said, for the, for, for the team to rely on this excuse of one kicked call by a referee ruining the game for them is a pretty soft way to look at the Colorado Rapids season at this point. They, going back to the beginning of May through 13 games, we have just three wins. Going back to the beginning of the season, we have zero wins on the road. And I think somebody else posted, uh, I think it was Joe Samuelson, posted that the Rapids have four games in a row in which they've been up a man on a red card and have lost, which is kind of mind-boggling. Like, this team is in really bad shape, um, and the officiating is not the cause of all of our maladies at this point. All well said there, Mark. I'm just going to – the
1: officiating normally – we the mo- the one thing that we complain about the first thing that we complain about when it comes to the official is that the official is not consistent. The co- official is not consistent within time, and the official is not consistent between teams or pl- or points on the field. I felt, for all of his faults on the night, Rosendo Mendoza, for the most part, was consistent in terms of he called a really tight game. Now, I think he was calling a lot of things that were not fouls as fouls or things that I wouldn't consider fouls, even just the slightest contact or the appearance of contact fouls. I think there was a point where I don't remember the Rapids player. It might have been Barrios. It might have been somebody else. Somebody on the Rapids right side put a slight hand to the back of Nico Lodero in the Rapids defensive third. Lodero goes down and then calls the foul. So make what you will of the officiating. I thought the Sounders quickly realized how the game was going to be officiated and then adjusted to it in order to take advantage of it. And the Rapids, in that regard, allowed themselves to get CONCACAP, did not adjust to the officiating in the same way that the Seattle Sounders did. So if we're giving the referee the benefit of the doubt that even the slightest contact with the apparent of physicality or, um, you know, using that in order to go through a player to get the ball, I want to give. Thought experiment, Mark. I'm going to give the official the benefit of the doubt that that was a foul. Now, when I initially saw it in real time, I saw both of them going down. I would have thought, oh, okay, Lal Car won the foul. And when he initially blew the whistle, I thought that's a little bit weird because you'd figure the ball going to Diego Rubio, who could then take a touch, turn up field in transition in a game where he already has an assistant transition. Why aren't you playing advantage? And, okay, maybe he's awarding a yellow card to or giving a yellow card to Will Bruin for that you know but if anything i saw it as a 50-50 challenge abubakar was first to the ball he won the ball with that if anything it's no foul or if anything a foul on will Bruin. but let's assume given let's assume given the way that the game was being officiated that actually was a foul to the sounders fan that is arguing that the rapids were intent in playing the ball away from the initial spot to prevent a quick restart and then the rapids to and then Seattle taking a quick restart from further away from goal was two wrongs canceling each other out. I think I've already implied if you go back and you look at it, Abubakar plays the ball, and then it's not until maybe right after or right before the ball gets to Diego Rubio that the whistle is actually blown. Rubio is looking at the ball, not looking at the official. He's probably not seeing him put his hand to his mouth to blow the whistle or the actual hand motion to indicate which way the foul is going, at which point Rubio's already played the ball. He's thinking and focused on that. So I think that negates any intent of, oh, you know, the the Rapids clearly were trying to delay the restart. And yes, it was disadvantageous from Seattle and that it was further away from goal. But again, they were taking it quickly into your point, Mark. They were taking it away to where the Rapids were caught unawares because they weren't expecting it. The analogy I would use, Mark, that I would say is maybe as apropos as yours about taking a throw in from the center field of you don't expect. It's hard to say the players were caught napping on a corner that was taken quickly if the corner was taken 20 yards away from the actual corner spot where the play was supposed to be taken. So yep. So I think all of that is valid, um, and regardless, great play by Jordan Morris, and maybe somewhere in there we could have assumed that Lawless Abubakar or William Yarbrough could have done more in the actual sequence, and I think the only reason that this play is controversial in that is because, one, by VAR, uh, that play is not reviewable. The spot of the ball, and it being valid in terms of where the free kick is taken relative to a relative to the foul in a play that is not a potential penalty, because obviously... Uh, You know, this foul occurred well outside the box, and that was not uh, a reviewable situation. The play could not be reviewed by VAR. Now, where the question then is, how far after the play, you know, taking place, resuming, come to conclusion with the ball coming in the net, is the referee allowed to say, no, you should retake it? And is that the job of the head referee? Should the fourth official have said something? Should the linesman who was on the... Rapids attacking half of the field, so further away but much closer than the AR on the other side of the field, um, you know, could have said or done something. And it's the only reason this is controversial or where there maybe wasn't bravery to make a big decision like that is because ultimately it would have taken a goal off the board for a particular team playing in a particular stadium with a particular type of crowd. I'm not saying anything in there. You infer what you want with dots that I'm definitely not connecting there, folks. But so... Uh, so let's get to my pool reporter question, Mark, and we'll transition this also into the, I, I agree with you on the Kellen Rowe red card that should not have been. So um, initial question was about the free kick and level of judgment, or if there's an actual defined distance between that that is allowed or wiggle room from, uh, from pro. So at the moment the free kick was taken by Seattle, it was felt that the ball was within an acceptable distance from the location of the foul. And then regarding the, Second yellow card, delaying a restart is a point of emphasis this season. That's been decreed by Pro that we knew about that earlier on in the year. Uh, Kellen Rowe tossed the ball over the advertising board. Uh, when it was not his team's throwing, I had some tweets on that. If you want to see that, folks, I take exception to using the verb "tossed" in that particular situation. But so then, Mark, we get to the day after, after stuff has come out with the pool report, and then after the various weekends of pro reviewing various calls and everything, and so we get this quote tweet from pro at pro referees on Twitter, blue check mark. This is pro's official account, folks. Not a parody account. Pro can confirm that an officiating error occurred in hashtag SEA versus COL in MLS Week 22. The free kick that started the move leading to the Jordan Morris goal for Seattle was taken from the wrong position and should have been retaken. This play was not reviewable within VAR protocols. So, um... I think that speaks for itself, Mark. Uh, I look forward to this being a learning moment for Rosendo Mendoza, all of the other officials involved, and maybe people generally in pro given that Mendoza also officiated the Portland Timbers Rapids game earlier this season at Providence Park, Mark, that also had some 50, 50, some iffy, uh, refereeing calls and everything and so i look forward to this being something that changes differently um and maybe having a little bit more intent and a little more bravery or maybe even so much as pro saying that you know there's an actual wiggle room and that's more like five yards and if it's anything more than that the referee can blow the whistle at any time and say retake the free kick even after the play has been resumed and ultimately resulting in the ball going in the back of the net but kind of my big point here mark from a Bad standpoint is ultimately the officiating was bad on multiple accounts. Ultimately, it was fair in that they canceled each other out. And it was ultimately irrelevant because the Rapids were pissed more up a goal and 11-11 v 11 in the first half of the game. And they were barely better than the Seattle Sounders up a man and ultimately deserved to lose the game in that regard. Mark, the only really good things I have is Jonathan Lewis getting another goal contribution. Great goal by him to start the game. Um, and that was uh, now his third goal contribution in two games because he had uh, assists in the 2-0 win. He had two assists in the 2-0 win over the LA Galaxy. And I thought Lawless Abubakar really stepped up from a defensive and a management standpoint and an individual performance standpoint, given the absence of Danny Wilson and maybe the lack of structure that the Rapids had at times against the Nico Lodero, against a Christian Roldan, certainly against a Jordan Morris, who was the man of the match for me. But those are hollow good things, giving everything else that went bad for the Rapids, both in the first and in the second half. Mark, anything else you want to say, or shall we move on to big things?
0: I don't know that I have much other than what I've said, which is like our our big things are like we're we're regressing as a team. We're not progressing on the road, and I don't understand why road games are so difficult for this team. They look a little bit different on the road. They look less confident. They look um, more... I don't know. I feel like I'm falling into a rut with what I'm saying, but I have a feeling that's because the Rapids are falling into a rut with the way they're playing, which is we like to go down the sides um, and we like to swing in long balls or diagonal balls. Um, getting into zone 14 at on the road is really, really rare. It just doesn't happen very often. So um, it's it's a it's a thing where we need to look more dynamic in the attack, and we need to give. A, a different different looks, especially on the ro- on the road because I think the team does look typically pretty decent at home. but you know this is the big thing right now. And at this point, um, it's really you know all that matters in the season, considering this team is like rapidly running out of I keep using the word rapidly. what the hell is wrong with me, Matt? It's not an intentional pun people. I'm not trying to do this. Um, we're running out of opportunities. The team only has one, two, three, four, five, six home games left, which means, you know, if we're going to lose all our road games, we're only going a point from some of our road games here and there. Like, it's just there's not enough points available in just home games to make the playoffs at this rate. So they need to start learning to win on the road, and I don't know if they can. Their next opportunity comes very soon. They play New York Red Bull next Tuesday, August 2nd. My big thing from this game, Mark, uh, after the red card, um, the Colorado
1: Rapids had an XD of 24.85%. So taking up all of their chances and then all of the probability of those chances, the Rapids had a 24.85% chance of scoring a goal. Seattle Sounders, 24.75% without the penalty. So from the run of play, the Colorado Rapids were statistically insignificantly better in outplaying the Seattle Sounders despite the Sounders being... Down a man, and fundamentally, Mark, just this is a team that in good opportunities to pick up points on the road and in good opportunities to win road games, something they have not done yet this season, they have been unable to do it. And I think if there was an obvious answer or a single thing that they were doing wrong that was easily fixable in terms of their road performances, I think they would have addressed it by now and ultimately gotten that first dub on the the road, you know, I, I think, Mark, if we look back and this team ultimately ends up missing the playoffs by a handful of points or, God forbid, ends up winning the wooden spoon by a handful of points. You know, we're going to look back at William Yarbrough's back pass out at Houston where, you know, one point should have been three. Or this game where certainly you would have thought, you know, 1-1 with Seattle and then 45 minutes up a man. It should have been very easy to win that game 2-1. And they found ways to lose the game. They have, This team has found ways to underperform in advantageous situations and game states on the road that has ultimately led to them dropping road points. And if they continue to be one of the worst road teams in MLS this season, I don't see a path forward in terms of them making the playoffs. So I guess I'll I'll go out here and guarantee it, Mark. Uh, If the Rapids do not win a road game this season, um, I do not see how they will not make the playoffs.
0: For fans who have not been paying attention for a couple seasons or are newish to soccer, Matt is referencing an individual by the name of Ben Bear, formerly of Major League Soccer, who used to not guarantee things, but uh, rather guarantee them, B-A-E-R. Um, we don't know where Ben Bear has gone into that great soccer podcasting guy position in the sky we we do not he's not dead he's just not working for major league soccer anymore but i love that matt is using references that um our new fans just probably have never heard of and have no idea about um according to his twitter page mark
1: uh, he's with bet mgm so maybe doing some betting mls stuff or soccer stuff uh he was working for austin fc in their analytics department at one point post mls but in any case that's in the past uh mark Ask HDHL that we have from our good friend, uh, Rapids Foreign Legion at CR Foreign Legion on Twitter. Uh, gentlemen, uh, below is an illustration of how the, rumble, uh, the rumbling sound of thunder, and he's got some weird sound waves with uh, a guy sitting in a grass field and then cloud, stormy clouds above in the sky, and the Rapids logos up there. In any case, uh, are you hearing the rumblings of thunder from the Rapids for making a move in the narrowing transfer window? Mark, we're talking. Today, on Thursday, July 28th, the secondary transfer window for Major League Soccer closes one week from today, folks. So August 4th, uh, Barack Obama and my dad's birthday, for those who are wondering. Uh, So, Mark, they've got a week left in the window. I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm hearing very little Rapids Forward Legion and nothing concrete in terms of names. Um... They were open earlier in this window to trying to get some center back help. I think the increasing uh, health and fitness of Danny Wilson has maybe pulled them off from that because I don't think they wanted to make a short term answer at the center Make a short-term signing at the center back role when I think they believe internally that the long-term third center back option already exists within the roster, likely in the form of either Gustavo Vallecia or Abuba Carqueta, possibly Mike Edwards in two to three years. I don't think Mike Edwards is going to be starting you know as the defender of the year for the Colorado Rapids in 2023 but do you make a short term signing for this uh versus knowing that the long term goal of the club or health of the club at the center back position is likely healthy i think the other variable in that is that robin fraser has mostly had them go back to a back 4 and they've mostly been stable from that standpoint danny wilson's been solid and mistake free lawsabubakar has played well with and without uh, Danny Wilson in the lineup with that and Lucas Estevez for as much as we talk about him as being a wing back, I think it's been correct me if I'm wrong Mark I think he's been good in the attack but then also provided some effort defensively so that hasn't led to maybe a loss in production or um, you know expected XG or contributions to the team from him having a back two of center backs rather than three center backs behind him to go forward. And Keegan Rosenberry is fantastic in a back five or in a back three center back, right back, right wing back in any case. So I think that's negated any real move at the center back role. Obviously Sam Nicholson, I think was their one attacking option. They were offered by, Uh, Toronto FC, Iowa Canola, as one of the pieces in the trade for Mark Anthony Kane. They were not interested in him. He was not one of the three players that the Rapids put on their list of sporting, of Toronto FC players that they were interested in. Ralph Prizzo obviously was one of them. They were also interested in Jalen Lindsay. I haven't been able to pick out who that third one is from any of my reporting folks, but I was not Io Akinola, so they're not looking to add in another striker. They think it's Rubio and Giasi's artist. The one wide player that they added and were going to add was going to be Sam Nicholson. Now where you look at is really in the midfield position, and I just I haven't heard anything concrete, Mark. That doesn't mean that nothing is happening. Uh, most of the moves that the Rapids have made recently in the Port cook era of the club have either been super slow burns, where they wanted Kellen Acosta for almost two full transfer windows before they got him, or ones have been rather suddenly where it's a player who they've been interested in, they've been monitoring, but that hasn't necessarily been long-term communication, and then it's kind of quickly, okay, we have an internal idea of what the valuation of this player is, the two clubs make contact, and then something happens in 24 to 72 hours maybe. The Mark Anthony K trade this time last year was a relatively quick option that was happening. You know, the, the Rapids were not inquiring every single day about Mark Anthony K in the summer of 2020. They weren't calling, you know, they weren't calling John Thorrington at LAFC every single day in January of 2021. But other moves that they've wanted, Keegan Rosenberry, uh, Kellen Acosta, they've acquired a transfer window, two transfer windows prior to the actual trading and acquisition of those players. But I think it all comes down to Mark that, the you know, it's pretty quiet. Um, I know, I I think in hindsight, maybe we were trying to speak Latif blessing into existence and uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of stuff going on there. The few reports that have been there by very not credible anonymous sources on Twitter, been that there've been Eastern conference teams interested in him. And I'm starting to wonder, Mark, I can say this definitively, you know, if there's no moves that are made at this point, you know, I have to really question is the club looking at then saying, OK, the moves that we were going to make are going to be in January or that they're not giving up on this season, but they're not willing to make a move to try and salvage this season at the expense of flexibility going forward in terms of the long term health of the club. And I think that's a maybe a measured long term answer, but maybe is. Incongruent, or at the very least complicated given Pork Smith's recent comments after the trade of Mark Anthony K. and just given how, you know, this rapid season is rapidly fizzling out and the lack of adding reinforcements when other teams are bolstering uh, in the Western Conference, you know, is is frustrating given the financial circumstances for the team and given that you just, you know, that you just got a huge haul for Mark Anthony K. and you think that would give you the financial flexibility to then go make a move.
0: Yeah, I I don't even know where to start there, Matt. Um, Are we going to have another move uh, of consequence? No, I don't think so. I I just don't think this team is built for this year right now. Um, There are a number of senior contracts that are going to be expiring in the offseason that are either not likely to be renewed or not likely to be of consequence. Guys like Michael Barrios, Stephen Bateshore, um, Clint Irwin, Drew Moore, a Jossie Zardes, who we probably won't be going back to get again, depending on how his production turns out, because he's kind of expensive. Um, Colin Warner, and then there's a whole lot of young guys. Who the question is like, all right, what veteran pieces do you put around these guys to help them succeed next year? Where does Sebastian Anderson kind of rate with this team? How much recovery has Brian Galvan had? Um, are, is are either Philip Mayaka? or Ralph Prezzo ready to be every day, every game starters um, in in this league? Like how much was left in the tank for guys like Keegan Rosenberry, right? Like you've got to get a whole kind of core of players in their prime at like 24, 25, 26. And the strange thing about this Colorado Rapids team as it's currently configured right now is there's like no guys like that on this team right now. This roster is really heavy on players 21 and lower and players 29 and over. There's very few guys in the middle and those guys are basically named Lalas Abubakar. That's pretty much it. Like it's, it's now that Austin trustee is gone. Um, you know, you're, you're really short on those key players. That I think to me means that Matt, this season's a wash. Like even if, um, uh, Pork Smith added two more players before August 4th which is next Thursday it's a week from today um it's it, it just doesn't feel like enough to swing this team around it feels like the moves that need to be made are for you make summer moves so that guys can settle in for the new season come next spring. So I think that that's where this team needs to be. Um, the other thing that needs to happen is the European windows need to all slam closed so that we, that Pork Smith is in a situation, which he often is at the, at this time of the year where he sees European teams who are playing musical chairs and players on those teams who have lost the last round, right? Their chair has been pulled out from under them. They either don't have a club or their club finds them expendable, right? They're going to go out on loan. They're going to be cut uh, loose altogether or they're going to wind up in the, you know, tied Premier League or, you know, in, in some like backwater unless Porek can kind of pluck them and put them to good use here in the United States. So that's where I think we are. We're starting to look at, um pulling uh bodies off the heap as opposed to looking for pieces that are gonna j- jolt this team from 12th to 7th because i don't think those pieces exist and i don't think we're willing to pay the price for them the other pieces like the last thing here is that like you know you're talking about potentially because i said i i really highlighted the fact that we've got young pieces and we've got old pieces and not a lot in the middle if you want to be competitive right now matthew you have to sacrifice some of the young pieces for some of those middle aged pieces who are in their prime right now. And I don't even know if we if we wanted to, which is a question, I don't know what we've got to offer, right? Like, which of our guys below the age of twenty two is a guy you could flip to another team and say, give me your best twenty-five year old right now, because this guy's gonna be great? I mean, and if you flip another enough gam. Like, what's going to bring that guy over? What, you're going to offer him Gustavo Vallesea, who can't crack our starting lineup? You're going to offer them... Um, Lucas Estevez, who's our starting left back, who is a nice young, talented player, but shows real defensive liabilities. Right? He's a he's a wonderful attacking player, but he's probably as good as a left midfielder as he would be. Way better than he would be an actual left back. You're gonna flip him, Sebastian Anderson, who's basically incapable of cracking the first team lineup and has been, you know, down with Rapids too, losing game after game after game by huge margins. Right? Darren Yapi. Yaya Yayatore, Michael Evans, Anthony Markanik, right? Like, there's a long list of guys who don't rate. Like at this point, Matt, the only thing I can hope for is that Ali Laraz comes back healthy before his time and has just had a firecracker lit under his tuhas and comes right onto the field and decides to absolutely be, you know, um, Paul Scholes. Like that's that's our hope at this point. Ali Laraz is the resurrected body of paul skulls that's our hope for the final end of the season and i don't think that's likely i've lost my mind i've just started screaming into the microphone in total abandonment yeah i've uh, you know
1: i've i was talking to somebody over the weekend on this mark and thinking you know you know let's say the back four ends up working and danny wilson and lalas and have their best third of the season in this upcoming final third of the season. And let's say everybody stays healthy. Let's say Jack Price actually comes back from his calf injury. He's still doing work on his own on his own, folks. You know, let's say that Ralph Prizzo's arrival in terms of the second half of the season is as big as Kellen Acosta's arrival was to the Rapids in 2018. Let's say Giasi's artist goes on a tear. Jonathan Lewis consistently contributes. Diego Rubio is secretly the number 10 that, okay, I I could see it where, Mark, you're one Latif Blessing signing and then everything else going as well as possible away from getting like the six or the seventh seed. I could be talked in, in that situation. But if any one of those goes wrong, realistically, you need two impact signings and two immediately impact signings that are going to cost you within a week. So if, if I'm just throwing out names of Mark, if you gave me these two guys and then two-thirds of the things that I just listed – uh, also happens so one of you know like Jassy's artists playing really well Lewis being consistent Barros being consistent the defense not being leaky defensively not having any other injuries uh Ali the Raz and uh and Ralph Prizzo chipping in his young players uh Jack Price you know getting his calf healthy if I get two-thirds of those things and then two of these three players I will say that I will predict the Rapids to make the playoffs and so I wrote down Frankie Amaya who hasn't super well fit in since Caden Clark's return to New York Red Bulls, and obviously Amaya was super unhappy at FC Cincinnati, that would cost you a pretty penny given that he is relatively new to New York Red Bulls, and they don't sell on young guys on the low level. Paxton Pomako, who I'm convinced at this point, FC Dallas ownership should know, if the Colorado Rapids are calling you about a disgruntled player who hasn't had a perfect last two years and everything, you hang up the phone because you know that you're going to get fleeced, so that's not happening. And the other one, of course, is Latif Blessing. And Mark Anthony K is worth two to two and a half million dollars in GAM equivalent assets, then Latif Blessing has to be at worth at least one 1.2 to 1.3. And then you're giving up all of the GAM that you just got from Mark Anthony K. What else are you were doing with that? So if you get me two of those three to rebolster the midfield in the next week, and then two-thirds of the other stuff from the attack and the health and the young guys and the defense and everything, all of that happens. Can this team grind out to, you know, the seventh seed on Decision Day? I think absolutely. Are all of those things going to happen? Uh, Absolutely not. Am I convinced that any one of Latif Blessing, Frankie Amaya, or Pax and Pomica will be announced on August 4th as members of the Colorado Rapids? No. So... I hope we answered your question there, uh Rapids Four and Legion oh because my God. we talked a so lot. So negative. Because we talked a lot, but I'm not <laughs> sure that we gave you anything definitive given, you know, we're not breaking news like uh Tommy We're Spurs not here. getting any players. How's that?
0: That's what we right. if we get any, they're not gonna move the needle. Until twenty twenty three. Okay. Uh Mark, we
1: do have one positive thing to talk about, albeit internally we here do. with our with our community. Um uh Mark, we've been discussing this internally. We would like to give back to Our Highliners to the people who give us money to produce this podcast. We'd like to do that in the form of stuff behind the paywall so that they're paying for something that they get specifically for them. And Mark, we've decided on that, that every single annual Highliner that we get um, in a year, and this is starting effectively immediately, folks, uh, will be able to request an article topic to be at least... Uh, four hundred. Uh, no, potentially no longer than a thousand words, or potentially a uh, private podcast episode that we'll post behind the paywall. There's a way for us to do post audio on our Substack as well to be at least. 30 minutes in length. And so you can submit that to us. If you are an annual Highliner, you can do it for this year. And then if you renew with us for 2023, you can do another one. Uh, You are giving us money. And so thereby, we want to hear back from you the content that you want. And if you want something personalized or really specific that takes more than a couple minutes in the form of an Ask HTHL or an email, we are happy to give you that content and give it to you exclusively. Rabbi, who are our current annual Highliners who are now immediately eligible for this in 2022?
0: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, so uh, some uh, some semi anonymity if they want it, but uh, because I'm gonna use their first name in their email address. So Jody C. Robbins, uh, Bueg B. B. B u uh, e g e b. Joe Samuelson, Joe Lowry, J. Dot McMahon, David Ellenberger, M. J. Newham. Matthew Pollard, yes, he's a highlighter. Uh Alan Friesleben, Colin Peterson, David Azilis, uh I think it's it's B. Chenezi, uh Scott Wolfgang, D.F. Boniface, CO Matt Dog, and String BK. All y'all are our uh, featured Highliner subscribers. We really appreciate you all for contributing to us. And you guys can email us or text us, message us, uh, and let us know. What would you like to see? Is there an article that you'd like to see us cover? Is there a player you'd like us to maybe try and interview? Um, I've got an interview, Matt coming for the Substack, Um, and we're going to break out some of the audio if I can cut it into good neat pieces. Uh, I did about a 25 minute interview with Jack price last week. Um, and even though he is bummed about being on the sidelines, Ladies and gentlemen, he is and, – and and folks of all uh, backgrounds and ages, he is a wonderful interview. He is absolutely – he was absolutely super fun and we really enjoyed him. And we can't wait to bring that um, to all of you uh, and then pa- stash a, a little bit about of that interview behind the paywall um, to entice some of you folks who are kind of on the fence about kicking in a small monthly donation to us or an annual donation – uh, to, to, to just go whole hog and get all the benefits that come with being a highliner so if you have questions for us if you have requests for us if you'd like Matt to wear a silly outfit and dance down uh, a major uh, Colorado thoroughfare let us know, we'll make sure it either happens or Matt will come after me with a butcher knife because I suggested it on air Listeners, this coming
1: Tuesday at Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey. Uh, that's Tuesday, August 2nd at 5.30 p.m. The Colorado Rapids will be taking on New York Red Bulls for their first trip to RBA since COVID-19. And if I'm not mistaken, Mark, I believe this fixture was actually Robin Fraser's first game as the head coach of the Colorado Rapids. Jonathan Lewis scoring a brace and a 2-0 victory at RBA in That game, uh, the Rapids are currently 12th in the Western Conference. They have 24 points off of 21 games played, a record of 6-9-6, a goal difference of negative 4. And then away from DSG this season, they are 0-7-3. New York Red Bulls currently third in the Eastern Conference. They have 36 points off of 22 games played. Mark, I don't know if you saw, they just had potentially the game of the year with a fantastic barn burner at Austin that they managed to win that game, which boosted their record to 10 wins, 6 losses, and 6 draws, a goal difference of plus 9, and then a at home this season. They are three, three, and four. Mark, this is one of the better teams in the MLS Eastern Conference. And this is a team that is very New York Red Bulls. Gerhard Struber has this team playing like a meat truck that is actively trying to crash into you like Grand Theft Auto. Patrick Klamala up top, a bunch of young midfielders, Drew Yearwood, Kaden Clark. Um uh they also have Lewis Morgan, who they got from Uh, Inter-Miami. They have Frankie Amaya, who we've already talked about. Tom Barlow, who's been scoring goals off the bench for them as well. And then it's been uh, Sean Nealis, who's kind of filled in at that center-back role next to Aaron Long, who I think increasingly, Mark, should be in the conversation as a starting center-back for the U.S. Men's National Team coming this World Cup. And then John Tolkien is kind of their big, flary, crazy-haired young gun at the left-back position. And then Carlos Coronel is kind of their veteran goalkeeper as well. Similar energy from a shot-stop being in a yelly organizational standpoint to William Yarbrough. Uh, Mark, this is a very good team. This is a young team. This is a team that rotates a lot. They play with high energy. They are typical New York Red Bulls. And if you have a bad time playing through the press and then actually trying to get into the attacking third, like the Rapids struggled with when it was 11 v 11 against the Seattle Sounders, they will create turnovers. They will create chaos and they will absolutely punish you for it. And they do it on a budget mark what do we see in new york red bulls in general and then given they're closer to your neck of the woods and you're i feel like you're more plugged into rbny than i am mark given how much you watch them with uh red bulls 2 uh playing in the usl championship what do we make of this team this season and this fixture
0: well the twos have been a little bit uh rough this year they haven't uh They've had an up-and-down year, and I think one of the things that's been uh, contributing to that is Red Bull has turned over to so many, so many young players over the last couple of years that the really good, talented Red Bull 2 players are now playing with the senior team. Um, they're really, I think, punching above their weight. They're having a really good year. Uh, they are a little bit less um, plugged into the traditional RB Leipzig uh really aggressive forward pressing. I think they do it a little bit more to a balanced degree. They press, they high press um, really well, probably better than any team in Major League Soccer, but they don't do it as much as I think they used to. Um, I used to three or four years ago expect that everything that they would do um, as long as they were on uh, nil-nil or one-one was going to be a high press. Now you see it in spots. Like they really – will choose to do it in certain situations or maybe for the first 15 minutes of the game or the last 15 minutes of a half or something like that. Like they, they'll choose it in spots. Um, the other thing I just wanted to say, which is kind of remarkable is um, my favorite player on this team is Lukinas, uh who's been really exceptional in spots, um, but he's not playing every game. Uh, he's been, as you really well said, uh, rotated uh, a fair amount with this team and um, and that's because they want to give all these other guys opportunities. He, I mean, he's played most matches. He's played 19 of these matches, but he hasn't started every game. He didn't start the last match for them. Um, and he, they, they've kind of used him uh, just as much as a guy off the bench as they might uh, as a starter. So a lot of really good squad rotation, um, a lot of depth to this team, which is kind of impressive and surprising. And, um, and I think, um, the, the one thing, uh, you said nicely that, that Drew Yearwood, uh, 22 years old, uh, English originally, is a defensive midfielder who really does a great job connecting with everybody else. The one player that I think has been, for me anyways, kind of a disappointment is Caden Clark. Uh, he's kind of penciled in as their left winger, eight matches, just one assist, um, Uh, foot mob has him at a 6.28 rating um, because he's been a little bit sloppy in passing um, hasn't really created a tremendous amount of uh, offense and attack in his opportunities Um, so maybe he's kind of being passed over and and moved on in, in some ways but like you know this team is has a lot of other really fun players I think the guy that jumps out at you more than anybody else is you already mentioned him, Lewis Morgan, um, who has uh, I think nine goals. Is that correct? Boy, goodness! In just twenty matches, and um, he's not doing it from a position as a striker. He he kind of comes typically kind of from a high position on the right side. But but he's been really you know fire, real real trouble. Um, for this team uh, creating trouble for other folks. So uh, a really fantastic squad. They could really create problems for any team they face. Um, They're uh, what is referred to in soccer, I think as a front to back um, defending team. They really at all positions of the field, they're high energy. They're going to, they're harassing um, even though they are not necessarily high pressing in that sense. Um, The the defense starts kind of very, very high up the field, um, and they're very hard to play through uh, all 11 players. So that's what to watch. They're also very good um, at home, although home crowds have been pretty lousy this year. Um, And I actually think uh, this is a little piece of MLS news, which is maybe not actually news because this kind of thing has been rumored for years, but uh, NYCFC is rumored to be uh, in – kind of final talks to potentially build a new stadium by 2025 in Queens, just outside of the new Shea Stadium for the Mets or Citibank Field, as I think it's called now. Um, And I think that that's a really interesting and potentially bad move for Red Bull because that's kind of the part of New York where a Red Bull fan might have originated in the Brooklyn Queens area since they can get over to Jersey To see those games. Right. Like if New York City is moving from the Bronx to Queens um, and winning titles, what the heck do the Red Bulls have? So that's a really interesting side note, but it doesn't affect this game coming up. Um, It's another road game for the Rapids. It's a tough road game. Um, You'd be foolish if you predicted a win. If you put your money on uh, on a tie, though, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world.
1: All well said, Mark. All really well informed. You know, I guess the the one thing that I may be hanging my hat on is that the New York Red Bulls have been road warriors, but they're statistically only slightly above average. You know, they've got seven wins on the road this season. They're three, three and four at home this year, as I mentioned earlier. So and then, you know, it being a Tuesday game. So it's kind of a weird situation. There is a
0: why. Do you know why it's a Tuesday game? Like that's I don't quite understand where that came out of. I
1: think there's a concert that had to get rescheduled ah. at RBA and then it had to get moved this weekend. And then so it got so it ended up getting moved around last minute. That's why it's on a uh, that's why it's on a Tuesday as opposed to um, uh, to on the weekend. So, you know, it is a weird fixture date. Obviously, you know, the Rapids don't play many games on Tuesdays. They are playing a very good team, but they're also playing a team that the last time they played there, they beat them. They're also playing a team that is better on the road than they are at home this season. But, you know, Mark, I just I've been so underwhelmed with the road performances and particularly the way they played in Seattle. I definitely don't see um Uh, a win in this one for the Rapids. I'll take a one, I'll bite your arm off right now for a 1-1 draw, but I gotta be honest, I see a loss in this one. I think the Red Bulls are too good. I think the Rapids uh, don't have enough going on for them and just given the way that they've struggled to play out of the press, particularly on the road, I think that Gerhard Struber is going to look back at that Look back at that film, both with how the Seattles jumped on the Rapids early on in the first half after they went down a goal, after the Sounders went down a goal, and then how they did that despite being down a man, and he's just going to be licking his chops and say, guys, let's just lean into that, and the Rapids will find a way to make a mistake that will ultimately have us take advantage of of that. And I think Aaron Long's good enough defensively to marshal the forces uh, against the Colorado Rapids on corners, even when they go Russia, 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 Mark, rather than going Loki's toboggan, which is a reference to the Jack Price interview that we'll be releasing later on in the coming day. So I've got a loss in this one, Rabbi. You want to do a score prediction?
0: Yeah, I just wanted to. Uh, it's not a. It's not a. A fact check, but it's 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 a Matt fact check. When Matt fact checks me, he usually says that I'm 80% right. You're eighty percent right. You are 80 percent right on the preempting event that caused this game to get moved to Tuesday. The twenty percent is the word concert. Do you know what's happening on Saturday, July thirtieth, that bumped the Rapids out of that slot? As according to the tickets websites, um, they were originally slotted to be in. On Saturday, 7 p.m., the New York Red Bulls take on FC Barcelona. So we have to kind of factor that in a little bit in the sense of, like, are they going to trot out their first team and are they going to be exhausted on Tuesday? Um, But another way of looking at that is, like, oh, my God, that's totally ridiculous. We got bumped to a Tuesday for a non-league complete cash grab FC match on prime time Saturday night. But, of course, they're going to sell that game out completely and sell tickets to Barcelona at $1,000 a pop. So that's really frustrating um, craziness. Pure craziness. Mark, shall we get out of here? Let's go. Uh, listeners, you can support us by supporting our sponsors. They are Roughneck uh, Scars and Icarus FC, makers of fine custom apparel for your shirt and for your neck. For a bachelor party, for a bachelorette party, for a let's watch the bachelor uh, season premiere party, you could go out and get any one of these items and have them custom made. They also have a great backlog of really cool stuff uh, for the U.S. Women's National Team, for the U.S. Men's National Team, the Colorado Rapids 2010 MLS Cup. Uh, is still on discount, so you can get that, that scarf if you want, along with a whole host of other fun things that you can do. Matt, tell them how to hit us up on the socials, how to read our written material, how to support us, or how to write to us with a question.
1: Listeners, follow us collectively on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi, LWS Matt Pollard, and Rapids 96 podcast send us your questions using the hashtag #AskHTHL. we'll answer them on the pod respond to you on twitter and if you've got something that takes a little bit longer than the character limit on twitter you can email us at rapids 96 podcast at gmail.com support us by reading our work elsewhere at Pittsburgh soccer now and last word on sports.com backslash soccer read our rapid specific content at holdingthehighline.substack.com that's also where you can become a paid highliner for us 5 bucks a month or 42 bucks for the year and if you sign up now you can still uh, get in on that deal that we mentioned earlier about some of the exclusive and customizable uh, content by request that uh, we are now offering here at Holding the Highline and then uh, also if you just want to give us a single cash drop and don't want to deal with the Substack stuff we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash Backslash Rapids 96 podcast. Listeners, we'll see you late next week, obviously, because normally we podcast on Tuesday, but Mark's going to have to go to bed after the Rapids game, so maybe Thursday or Friday of that week before we look ahead to the game against Minnesota United. I Listeners, we'll see you then.
0: Peace.